enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. All things geek. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. My name is Monica, and I will be your host as we discuss the Disney animated film Encanto. If you haven't caught up with the film, you may want to save this episode and tune in later because there will be spoilers. If this is your first time tuning in to the Temple of Geek Podcast, welcome. The Temple of Geek Podcast has been around since 2012 and is hosted by a variety of geeks from the Temple of Geek team. Here we cover all manner of geek and pop culture news and events. To our returning listeners, thank you again for tuning in. We really appreciate you being here. With me today is Temple of Geek writer and contributor, Kristen, and new to the podcast is media and content creator, Amanda. Welcome to the podcast. Can you guys please introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about you? Uh, hi, my name is Amanda Castrello. Um, I go by Amanda Desvibin on all media platforms, and I am a content creator, influencer, and I mostly make content about media, commentary, comedy, like a lot of Marvel. I used to do a lot of Star Wars, just kind of whatever's currently going on. And I've been a longtime nerd and I'm glad to finally be able to talk about what I love and have an audience to talk about what I love with. So it's great. And I'm Kristen Chavez. I am, as Monica said, a writer and contributor here at Temple of Geek. I have also worked on the Your Biggest Fangirl podcast, where we discussed everything fangirl and really just try to emulate what it means to be a fan in a very positive fan experience. And that's something that I am still passionate about to this day. No matter what I'm doing, I feel like I am still a full-time fangirl regardless. So thank you again, Monica, for having me here. Oh my God, I'm so happy to have you here. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, my name is Monica. I'm the editor-in-chief at Temple of Geek. All right, so let's get into it. In the Walt Disney Animated Studios Encanto, Mirabelle, the only ordinary member of her extraordinary family discovers that the magic surrounding their home is in danger, and she might be her family's last hope. Set in Colombia, the film embraces the diversity, culture, people, and the music of the country. Encanto explores compelling but complicated relationships within families and asks the question, how well do we know our families and how well do they know us? The film stars Stephanie Beatriz as the voice of Maribel and John Leguizamo as the voice of Bruno with original songs composed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. So the first thing I really want to talk about is the popularity of this film. And like I said, I was shocked that this film wasn't as popular when it was released in theaters, but it's getting so much hype. Now, what do you think it is about the film that is making Encanto such a viral sensation on social media and in homes? So what I think, especially now in like a post, well, still current pandemic time, the way we consume media and the way that we interact with media is much different than it was previously. A lot of people are kind of foregoing theater experiences. They're really only going to like the big, big, like ginormous hype things so when there is something kind of flying under the radar, like Encanto did, it's not going to get as much notoriety, especially when people are trying to save, they're not going out as often, they're not doing stuff as often. And then the actual nature of Encanto in itself, it's not, it's a very, like, especially growing up in a Latina household like I did, it's a very Latin-centric story. So it's something that a group of people are going to understand and then like another vast majority of people are not going to understand. So they're probably going to overlook it in favor of something like maybe Frozen. So something that would be more palatable to them, something that they would understand instantly. So 
what I think happened with Encanto is when, especially when I think what the biggest thing that happened is just like TikTok loves a good beat and the internet loves a good beat and they love a good sound and they love something that you can kind of make a mimetic mutation and turn into something else. So when I think, what I think happens is that when we don't uh, talk about Bruno blew up, that's when the movie blew up because all of a sudden there were all these videos, all these sounds, all these things that people were talking about. And that one song kind of launched Encanto from kind of being one of those Disney movies that came out and people didn't notice to we don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. Like it happened like that. I think that's so true because honestly, I think keep like seeing all the references to we don't talk about Bruno Encanto was already on my list of things to watch, but grad school started new semester. So needed a moment to get my grip. But I think once I started seeing all those posts and everyone's talking about this song where they're not supposed to be talking about someone, I was like, I need to bump this up to the top of my list. Like this is the first thing that I need to see. And I think that's like a great point that you mentioned with the pandemic in particular. I was reading an article this morning about some of the challenges behind that too. Of course, it came out in, I guess, November and right around the time when children were able to get their first vaccines or, you know, their second vaccines. So it was a good timing until Omicron hit. So already it was tricky. And I think, Amanda, you made a great point about like, you know, you kind of have to choose which things you're going to see. Of course, with Spider-Man, that was a huge success. Everyone was going kind of regardless, you know, still a success within the pandemic parameters. But I think with that, it's a little unsure of where that's going to be streaming next. You don't know when, you know, it's not going to be on Disney Plus necessarily because of the deal with Sony. You don't know when you're going to be able to watch in your own home. And I think you're also, especially with things like the MCU, you're worried about those spoilers, right? Not as much, I think, with Disney animated films. Um, So I think that was definitely its challenge with its theatrical release. But I am, I will be very curious to see kind of its at-home streaming success, especially out out of all of this. And how do you measure what's a successful film within a pandemic? Um, I think I was reading it was still doing very well, you know, for the year that it's in. It's really blown up, I think, with word of mouth in particular, like this new digital type of word of mouth, you know, from anything from the songs (laughs) to just the storyline or people finally being able to see their families represented on screen. And I think that goes beyond Latinx families. I am half uh, Salvadoran on my father's side, never really had necessarily that kind of experience, but it still spoke to me. It was still like a very... I think once you get into it, you see, oh, yes, this is a family. This is everyone's, everyone has those type of family members and how we get along. And, you know, I think especially speaks to people with multiple generations under their roof, too, which I think Lin-Manuel Miranda or um, some of the filmmakers had discussed with recent interviews. Of course, this comes when a lot of people are in lockdown (laughs) and like maybe living with multiple um, generations that hasn't necessarily happened before. So, yeah, I think there are just so many different avenues that you can find some sort of connection with it. But I think, yeah, the hurdle is like that first introduction. What's going to be the thing that pushes you to go see it the first time? Yeah, Kristen, and I think you're right about as far as how well it's doing in the pandemic. So, for example, Thanksgiving weekend for Tangled and Moana. Tangled was 56 million at the box office for opening weekend. Moana was 48 million. Coco did about 50 million. Those were all Thanksgiving weekend, you know, films like Encanto that came out. So if you compare Encanto to that, Encanto only did about 12 million opening weekend. So it might be considered a flop, right? But in pandemic times, it was 
that's a big deal still it was number one in the box office when it came out ahead of ghostbusters afterlife which is a major franchise like you know it's a huge franchise and it starred paul rudd which is like a big pull right there so i think you're right in pandemic terms it was successful but it was hit with the not all the kids are vaccinated and the Omicron variant and all that. I think another reason too why it's been, you know, such a viral sensation is because of the ensemble cast, right? Yes, Maribel is like the mm-hmm. main character, right? But there's so many characters in this movie, right? So many family members, so many like ways to see yourself. So like, uh, Amanda, you were saying like people are making all these TikTok videos about, you know, we don't talk about Bruno, but there was also like surface pressure from Luisa that was really trending there for a while. And, you know, Dolores obviously was like a huge fan favorite, you know? And so there's all these characters that people are starting to see themselves in or just relate to, even if it's not like a, a physical representation, right? But it's just like relating to that character. So I think having so many choices versus like Moana is just like Maui and Moana, right? You may enjoy the film, but you may not necessarily like relate to those. But with Encanto, there's so many characters that people can relate to. And so you have a pick, you know, you could be the mom who heals everybody with their home cooking. And, you know, who you, there's the uh, people that relate to Abuela and there's just so many options. So I think that does help. So TikTok has created a space unlike other platforms for creating meaningful content. Obviously, it's also a place that creates nightmare content, depending on what side of TikTok you land on. But even still, do you think if other stories with this much representation had come out during the TikTok era, do you think it would have gone as viral as Encanto has or is Encanto unique in the way it's gone viral? Um, So I do think that Encanto has the uniqueness in the way that it went viral because, again, at the core of TikTok, TikTok loves a good sound. So the catchiness and the versatility and the just overall boppiness of We Don't Talk About Bruno kind of wrote people in who wouldn't have otherwise maybe taken a second look at the movie. And so that kind of was the unifier because I saw people from all backgrounds, like every person was like, no se habla de Bruno. Like it was just like everywhere. It was everywhere. And so I think that's what made it specifically like blow up on TikTok. Now, as far as like the diversity is concerned, like personally, I saw my family in this movie and I think it kind of finally gave like Latina creators such as myself an opportunity to talk about our experiences and talk about what our lives are like and talk about our family dynamics. So it gave basically just a a way to open the door to a discussion to creators who wouldn't have otherwise had an opportunity to talk about things like that. And especially with like Dolores, like I looked at Dolores and I'm like, oh, that's a Latina girl that looks like me. I was just like, I normally when you when people think about and I've had this in my own comments before, where people will be like, oh, I thought you were this. I didn't think you were like Latina. And they don't think that Latin, like like Latin people can look different ways. They have this one rigid view of what the Latina community looks like. So when I got like into the creator fund for TikTok and I announced it, a lot of my followers were like, I didn't even know you were Puerto Rican. I just thought you were like half black. And that's what they said. And I'm just like, there's different like you can be multiple different races within the Latina community and people just genuinely didn't know. Or like I would talk about, 
a Latina character who was black, like Miles Morales. And they'd be like, whoa, I just thought they were black. And I'm like, no, you can be black. You can be both. Like you can be both. And so when I saw Dolores, I was like, she looks like me. And that just kind of like gave my, cause I am a grown woman. I'm going to be 25. And I had that moment of like seeing myself for the first time on screen and like this major Disney movie. And yeah, there have been other characters before, but I'm like specifically a Latina girl who looked like me. And I didn't have that growing up. And I was just like, that's me. Like I, I can look at her and be like, that girl looks like me. And I think that's really important because a lot of people don't have that growing up. A lot of people have to wait until they're in their late teens and early 20s to see themselves represented on screen, to, the, to see their families represented on screen in a positive light, and to see their struggles and experiences not sugarcoated, but actually told in a way that is palatable for a younger mind. So I think that on top of the fact that like we don't talk about Bruno is just kind of a universal bop to the point that it beat out let it go right it just kind of stacked on top of each other to create this phenomenon that was two months later than its release it's become like a real slow burn because mm -hmm. there are so many layers to this film that resonate in various different ways and i think i mean i'm sure we've all seen the different like viral stories going around of like a little boy seeing antonio and being like he looks like me and antonio my, if there's one criticism about the film, needed more of him because he's the cutest child he's Disney so has cute. ever animated. I'm sorry. <laughs> so adorable. But yeah, and like they, they made a very conscious choice in making a very realistic family being Latinx. Like it's an ethnicity. There are a lot of races involved and like the different backgrounds, you know, talking about colonialism or indigenous people, all those different layers. So you can see that visually represented in the family, but then even within the actual content of the film, you know, we're talking about generational trauma, about the, the struggles that Abuela had to go through and that Abuela Pedro went through that could speak to a lot of people's different experiences, Latinx or not. So I think that's something where, because there are so many layers to it and it is it is palatable for like a lot of generations too you know little kids can um, see it and kind of relate either to an individual character but also start getting a little bit of that understanding i think you see that with the the two times that abuela is telling the story about how they came to encanto the very first time you see it when mirabel is five it's okay here's like a little bit more sanitized version like just we came here you know, and that makes sense to a five-year-old, you know, you're not going to go in too much detail. But then when she finally tells the whole story when Mirabelle is older, and so so the moment when Abuela is able to tell Mirabelle the, the whole story, a lot more detail about what happened, you know, she is older, she is able to like come to those new decisions and conclusions that I think really adds a layer of like seriousness and... I don't know. I think relatability for, you know, adults, teens, anyone that's watching it that is able to like see a little bit deeper as well. And I think on the point with the music, as you said, I think it's just, it's a bop all around for all of the songs. I think especially with, we don't talk about Bruno, there's all these different melodies going on at once. And it is something that Lynn manuel Miranda is just so skilled at. It is pulling from the Broadway tr tradition of having 
multiple melodies and songs and people singing like different lyrics that I'm always a sucker for. (laughs) And so it just made it so good and they really brought it in. But then you have the songs by Luisa and Isabella too. What else can I do is kind of the let it go song. I love that. But in a more positive, you know, she's like, oh, I'm letting go in a positive way that's able to like, I'm not shutting down anymore. Yeah, I, I think it's emotionally is very resonant with a lot of people. I'm going to be watching it again and again, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. I watched it three times. I bawled my eyes my eyes out the first two times. The third time I was watching it with my husband, he didn't like it. We're working through that. So, <laughs> so it's just, it's one of those things like when you say like Louisa, that kind of like positive like outlook of the like the let it go song and it's so funny because upon like rewatch especially since like if you look at the songs together like right after each other they have things that kind of answer to other songs Mm -hmm. if you watch it again so when it comes to we don't talk about bruno we have um both dolores and isabella singing i'm fine I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. And they're just saying it over and over and over again. When you can see their animations in their faces, they do not look fine. They do not look happy. They don't sound happy. But they're saying it over and over and over again in this organized chaos. And then you have in Isabella's song, What Else Can I Do? When she finally makes something prickly and not perfect and symmetrical. And it's also a callback to earlier when she was making flowers in her head and one of them came out like a daisy. And and Abuela picked out the daisy and left all the pink ones. So it was kind of a little bit of a tidbit earlier to show that she can make other things. She just suppresses it. And then finally she kind of explodes, cactus, and then everything starts getting colorful and crazy and beautiful. And then Mirabel sings this one part that's mirroring Isabella's melody from We Don't Talk About Bruno, it's like, it just seems that you've been perfect since the moment you opened your eyes. And it's the same melody as Isabella's part in We Don't Talk About Bruno. So it's just kind of cool callbacks between the songs that, again, is very Broadway and very stage production because we have reprises all the time on stage productions. We have callbacks to other songs on other stage productions. It's just really cool to see that implemented in a Disney movie that's like at its core still a movie, but very much like could be adapted to a stage production kind of like that and i'm ready yeah. for that yes bring me the encanto musical bring it I to me i will go i will fly to new york so fast <laughs> like it's just gonna be a road trip we're gonna go right away yes. um well even just like the words i'm fine like that mm-hmm. was like at the core of mirabelle's i want song mm-hmm. too you know and i think like louisa says it so it's kind of like this recurring thing and and how many times have I said that to myself, like, I'm fine. And it's like, you know, the, the gift of the coffee cup, yeah, the, fire. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, yeah. I, I completely agree with you guys. So speaking now about like the storyline and how the film ended, give me your thoughts on the storyline and how you felt the film ended. I guess basically your overall take on the story. My overall take on the story Um, One thing that I probably would have wished for would be for it to be a teensy bit longer, maybe like an extra 30 minutes to kind of, I I feel like the the lowest of the low point was a little bit too short. Because you know, in every story, there's like, it goes up, it goes up, it goes up, and then bow, and then you have that low point, and then you have to climb back up. I feel like the lowest point was a little teensy bit too short. 
However, it's still told visually and it's still told musically. Because if you listen to the lyrics within the songs, that's the biggest thing about this movie in particular, is that a lot of it is told through song. And while other Disney movies are musicals, they still have long periods between the song parts that are all dialogue. So you can kind of fill in those blanks. But this one is predominantly music. So you have to pay attention to the lyrics. You have to pay attention to what the characters are telling each other because most of the time they're singing. Mirabel, even when she's going up into uh, Bruno's tower, she's still singing, La Familia Madrigal. She's still like huffing and puffing, singing a song while she's struggling to go up. So my overall take of the movie is I loved it. I watched it three times. I think this is the first Disney movie that I've watched in rapid succession since I was a kid. And it made it made me feel like a kid again and it made me feel like nostalgic again and it, it made me reflect on my own experiences and I just kept watching it and watching it and watching it all gross with tears all over my eyes it was just an overall amazing movie and I loved the ending because the ending again it was very visual and you had to focus on the fact that you had to just know in your mind that Rome wasn't built in a day. The house wasn't built in a day. The healing wasn't done in a day. It's the beginning of getting better. It's the beginning of healing. It's not just, all right, boom, cool, we're dope. Like they still like they still have work to do and they went like came together to do all that work together. And you even see at the end, Isabella is still all blotchy, different colors all mixed together, kind of into this gross brown color because that's what all the colors make and then finally she decides i want to be blue and then she bam and turns blue and she's like yeah and then luisa and isabella and mirabel have this beautiful moment of just like yeah sometimes we're not good and that's okay and it and it even says it's like i'd like a new foundation it isn't perfect but neither are we and you have to look at that and watch what's going on to kind of fill in the blanks of what happened when you didn't see people talking face to face the whole time. And I think that's kind of a switch that a lot of audiences have not had to make in a while, because again, you will just have the characters talking and saying what they mean. This one, it's much more implied. Yeah, I think, and that's what for me is a good, makes a good story and a good movie you're showing and you're not telling. Right. Um, And I think, and sometimes you're singing and not telling, you know, to get especially into the heart of what people are thinking, you know, I feel similarly in that when you get to that low point, especially around Dos Reguitas, the way that like after Casita falls and, you know, Mirabel runs away, it does seem like immediately, you know, Abuela comes. So it feels like there should be like maybe a half scene more. But at the same time, I, I feel like it's very, it's condensed enough that I also don't want it. I wouldn't have wanted it to be dragged out. So I'm actually Mm -hmm. kind of curious, like if there, you know, if we ever got like production notes on the back end of like the making of like, what were some of those deleted scenes? Like, I'm sure that there was thoughts of like, okay, well, how do we like, add some extra beats and extra steps in here that they presumably were like, it's not driving the story enough. Like it is just better if we just get to it, you know, and when do you make that kind of call story-wise? But overall, I think like it hits the mark and it is, it is kind of nice that it's just a quiet moment that it is just like Mirabel and Abuela just talking about this. And like really the, the person ultimately that has to open up the most is Abuela at the end of the story. It is kind of like, 
she, you know, it is Mirabelle is the one that helps heal the crack, but she has to heal it with Abuela's help, um, who kind of started it in the beginning. So I think it's like, I kind of go back and forth every time I'm like watching it or rewatching that scene. I'm like, oh, it needs to be longer, but it's good as it is. But either way, I mean, I just want more of that entire world and the music. <laughs> but yeah, and the music, as you say, like it drives, it does what a good musical is supposed to do. It drives the story forward. It drives the the characters forward and what they're supposed to do. I love what you said, Amanda, about like the, especially at the end, the healing wasn't done in the day, in a day. Mm-hmm. You know, we definitely see the start of, everyone's starting to come together again. Bruno Bruno is there. He's helping along with everyone else and everyone is pitching in. Louisa gets to have a break at a moment. You know, she's lifting like donkeys throughout the entire movie. And then finally, they're just like, no, you go sit in the hammock. You deserve to like put your feet up for a little bit. So it's like, it's still, there is some work to do, you know, but then even with uh, like Peppa and her, I was going to say slight grudge, but I guess it's not that slight about Bruno ruining her wedding. But, you know, she's the first one to run and hug Bruno and lift him up. You know, so it's like it's all of these like pent up emotions that a part of me, again, wants to see them have those moments of talking it out. But, you know, that's also what fan fiction is for. (laughs) Right. Like it is like we can have those moments there. And I think like we just want to like. You know, the story beats, everything is open to interpretation. Again, like, where is Mirabelle's door? Does she have a gift? You know, like, it's, I don't want necessarily every little thing answered. So for me, I thought the ending just brought it all together in a really beautiful way. And overall, the same with the story. And even like you said, like with like Peppa and like the little grudge she had. And it's funny because like, remember in the last part of the song where he was like, let it in, let it out, let it snow, let it go. And then you see toward the end, she's dancing and she's happy and it's hailing. (laughs) And it's like, it's not so nice weather and it's not so like flowery, beautiful, clear skies, clear skies. It's hail. And so she's still able to express her emotions, even though they are not entirely pretty and flowery and and fluffy, like kind of like Isabella, where she's like finally able to express herself. And it's not in this sanitized, like clear skies, clear skies way. And it's just basically bringing out the best in each other while also mm-hmm. accepting the not so good parts. Cause I think the biggest part of fixing the cracks is acknowledging that there's a crack in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. a lot of, that's another thing that I see a lot of people do where they don't want to acknowledge that something is wrong. They don't want to acknowledge that something is wrong with them or something is wrong with the way they're acting or something is not good. They don't want that. They want to appear like everything is okay. And that's the big issue of the movie where Abuela is trying desperately to not show the town that there is something wrong. And Mirabella seeing it, she's pointing it out. And it's just scary to think about because nobody wants to think that there's a problem and nobody wants to think that the problem is them. And that is a big thing also in like Latina communities where it's like nobody wants to believe that there is a problem, especially if the problem is them. Right. And I think that what you guys say kind of mirrors a lot about like inside out, right? The Mm -hmm. whole thing, like it's okay to cry, like sadness, that emotion, it's okay to have that, like all together, we need to like accept our, all all of the feels, right? I think that, you know, if you've lived through trauma, and you know that another trauma is coming, your defense mechanisms start to put up walls, you start to like, you don't want to face that because it's scary, you've been through it. And you don't, you don't want to go through it again. 
what if the house fell apart? They don't have a way to protect them. Because really, it's a refugee story. They're running, they're trying to protect, they had to leave their home, they're trying to protect themselves. So Abuela's, you know, her fear is that she can no longer protect all these people, and they will go through the same thing again, you know, and that exhaustion, and maybe you're just trying to put off the inevitable as long as you can. Dramatic experience just to accept that something is wrong. But you have to accept it. Like you said, Amanda, if you don't acknowledge the crack, you cannot repair it. One of the things that I really loved about the story is the community feel. Because the Madrigal family was all about supporting their community and the people around them. And at the end of the film, the community comes back and says, we have you. You had our backs. We have your backs, right? Mm -hmm. So in a sense, I would have been okay with them have never gotten getting their powers back, right? Mm -hmm. Like I would have been okay with the story ending in a way where it was the community that was the true gift. It was the community that like, you know, save these magical people and that together with powers or without you were enough and you know the community would stand by you and would accept you and they would all still be together and they would get through it together i love the way the film ended but that's another take i would have also been really happy with because i did like the idea of just like you don't need your powers we can still love you for who you are but i know that these magical characters are based in in realism and they're based on you know like our personalities like for example um Cam is it camilo camilo yeah he <laughs> you know um in the production notes i noticed that they said that he he represented the teenager who you know doesn't really know where they fit who's going through phases who's one day into this next day into that and is just trying to figure out who they are so i get that their powers are so supposed to reflect that, which I think is really great. Um, but I think I would have been okay with the film ending either way. Mm -hmm. But other than that, like, I did love the fact that we could see so many stories in one film. Mm -hmm. Because you have, you know, Dolores' story of like that unrequited love. You have the, you know, Isabella, who she, you know, doesn't want to be perfect. She wants to, you know, not fit into like this, like, you know, role that she's supposed to fit into. You have Luisa who's taking on everybody's, she's taking on the weight of the world and, you know, she's starting to crack under the pressure and, you know, Abuela's trauma. Like there's just so many stories in one film. And I think that that's my favorite thing about this film is just the beautiful way they were able to tie it in. Just the fact that it's a family film, you know, in a lot of Disney stories, you're, protagonist is by themselves they're out on their own they're going through this journey by themselves and this is one of the first time you see them just really you don't have to do it alone everybody's there everybody's with you and i love that i absolutely love that are there any other changes you guys would have made to the film if you could i think kind of going off of what like Kristen said if there was like a half scene between and this is not necessarily my personal because again like I love the movie pretty much the way that it is I do wish the down point had been a bit longer and to kind of fix that like kind of going off of what Kristen said maybe like a half scene more because again like you said most of the time the protagonist in Disney movies are alone meanwhile we had a whole family here and we had parents mm -hmm. here which is 
something that is glaringly lacking from a lot of Disney movies. I wonder why um, that could be. Huh. <laughs> but we had parents and we had grandparents and that's not something that's common. So we finally had those characters to work with. And mm-hmm. I feel like that half scene that could have been after the house crumbled and before Abuela went to go find Mirada could have been with Abuela, with her kids, with Julieta, with her uh, sons-in-laws. Because remember, we have this one scene when she's kind of talking to the candle and um, pleading to play, uh, Pedro, wondering why things aren't working out, wondering what's wrong, wondering like why things aren't working out, why things are cracking, why they're about to lose everything again. And you know she's concerned, you know she's scared, but she doesn't have anyone to go to. And I think that's another thing that, and I've had this, I've had a whole conversation in my comment section for days because people were like, when I was older, she should know better. And I'm just like, but how is she supposed to know better if nobody was there to teach her? Because mm-hmm. after her, like after her village was pillaged and they were ran out, she was a single mother to triplets. So there was nobody there to teach her how to be a mother, to teach her how to be like a person everybody looked at her and her magic candle and said what do we do now mm-hmm. and so she kind of just had to wing it she had to figure it out and she didn't have a starting point to go off of because at that point she was basically totally alone she had a community but she was the head of the community she didn't have the shoulder to cry on so I think if there had been a moment between her and her children kind of being like I don't know where things went wrong I don't know why I tried so hard and things didn't work out. Cause that's ultimately what happened. She tried so hard and things didn't work out. And it was because of the cracks in the family, because of the dynamic, because of the pressure. And I think there needed to maybe be a moment between her and her children where they opened up about what they felt because we had Julieta who had to be on her grind cooking all the time to make sure that she could fix somebody's broken face to like, we had Peppa who like, she could control the weather, but don't do it in a bad way. Don't cause a storm. And we had Bruno who like basically was there being like, okay, you're asking me these questions. I'm telling you the answer and you just don't like what I hear. And I think if had we had a, even a a scene or a half scene of the children opening up, like the grandchildren did that maybe that would have kind of made a bridge between Abuela going to Mirabel and realizing that, the crack started with her and to be able to fix it, she has to mend her relationship with Mirabel because I feel that kind of is what disconnected. Some people in the audiences were like, I feel like they forgave Abuela too fast. I don't personally believe they forgave Abuela too fast, but that's on me. And I do believe that forgiveness is a personal choice. So I think to be able to make it palatable to a broader audience, I think a scene between Abuela and her three children would have maybe solidified the fact that she realized what happened and that she needed to be honest about what happened and not give a sugar-coated version of the story and be like, this is exactly what happened. I thought I was going to be a different woman. And that's what she said. She's like, I thought I was going to be a different woman. I thought I was going to have a different life. And then I had to figure it out. And the only person that could help me was me, basically. So I think that would have kind of clarified everything and made people feel a little bit better if she had also acknowledged that her children had the same issues that her grandchildren had. 
Yeah. And I, I, I kind of feel the same. I think like maybe that half scene would be with Peppa and Julieta mm-hmm. because one that kind of sets up her, her moment with Bruno as well, that like, of course she's going to accept him like immediately. But it is, I mean, I feel like it kind of goes back to like Louisa and Isabella, like Mirabelle and Bruno are like parallels of each other, mm-hmm. right? Like they either didn't have a gift or didn't have a gift that contributed to the family. You know, they weren't sure how they were going to help. And so the burden was left on the other two sisters, mm-hmm. you know, so in doing that, like you're also at adding additional pressure onto them, you know, so it's like that moment of like, okay, because we've been unfair to your, you know, the youngest, we're also like adding too much burden to you. And I, I feel the same with you. I don't think, you know, sometimes I feel like a is getting a bad rap in some of these <laughs> moments. I, I, was like, I mean, obviously, yes, the way that, you know, it's it's not right the way she's treating them. But I think like, like you said, and we see where she came from, she did, you know, expect to be a different woman. And just the tragedy that, again, all of the pressure was put on her. It was her husband's sacrifice that kind of saved the entire community. And as a single heartbroken mother, she's looked to by the entire community. She's not just the matriarch of the Madrigal family, but of the entire Encanto community, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of pressure for someone. Mm -hmm. And before, you know, she even expected her kids to have any sort of gift, Mm -hmm. you know? So of course, like when everyone's looking to you, I could see why you'd be like, okay, you know, we are blessed with these powers. So the only way, the the best thing we can do is just like to give back. Like maybe that's why we are here because Pedro, Pedro saved the entire community. We have to continue that. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, I think it's just, I have a lot of feels around Abuela. Like, you know, <laughs> she's not, she doesn't make the right choices. You see the cracks starting to heal as well as we see later on in the film. So it is, you know, these are things that are going to keep going. And I and I think with Abuela too, um, so we're so used to the formula of Disney movies where you have like the antagonist, you have like the bad guy, and almost always the bad guy dies at the end or mm-hmm. something catastrophic happens at the end and it teaches that oh if you do bad bad things will happen to you so don't do the bad things but there's not a lot of gray area right so abuela is definitely a gray area character because she's not the villain in this story she's just someone who made some bad choices but she wasn't trying to make those bad choices i think you did a tiktok about this amanda about you compare her to yeah to the mother in uh, Entangled, you know, she didn't have these like bad intentions. And I think that that Disney formula makes it harder for people who aren't paying attention to like the nuances and the little like subtle things to kind of like swallow. They're just like, oh, well, there's no consequence, but they're Mm -hmm. not paying attention to like all the consequence that that was suffering. I think also Disney did a really nice job of, showing religion in a way that was palatable. So like the candle is that spirituality. Abuela talking to Pedro is like, you know, that kind of like, oh, praying to God, like, God, why isn't this? God, why isn't that? Like, why is everything? I've done everything right. I've done everything I could think of. I've tried my best. Like, why is everything falling apart? Why are we losing these powers, you know? And how many times have people had those feelings in their lives? Especially for like the Latinx community, religion is a very very deep part of their lives and when abuela had nobody she had the candle she had her faith 
keeping her going, giving her strength. And so I think it was really interesting the way Disney showed that spirituality through the magic candle, through the gifts, the blessings that they received, Mm -hmm. and always having like that optimism. Because if you think about it, Abuela could have had a very bitter reaction to what had happened in her life. This could have just as easily been a curse. She's burdened with having to protect these communities. She's burdened with like all of these things, yet she always saw it as a blessing. She never took it as like, oh, I have to do all of these things. She wanted to. Mm -hmm. She felt like it was her responsibility to the community, to everybody. And she told everybody it was a blessing. She never made it feel like it was a burden. So I think Abuela gets a really bad rap there. And they directly call it a miracle. Yeah. You know. And it's and it's funny too, because like I, I fully agree that Abuela gets a bad rap. And it's one of those things where I had an abuela figure in my life, but my, my abuelita wasn't the abuela, if that makes any sense. Like I had an abuela, they were not necessarily abuela, you know? Yeah. So I've had figures in my life who have gone through awful, awful things. I have gone, I've I've had like family members who have done not so great things. And again, this is a very, I, I know every like family from any background can have these experiences, but particularly in a Latina household, a lot of things where it's just like, don't let people see you cry. Don't let people see like your vulnerability. Don't let people think that they can step on you. That was the biggest thing in my house. Don't let people think they can step on you and, and don't let people think that you are vulnerable. Don't let people think that they can take anything from you. And that is passed down from generations, even if you necessarily, if you, even if you didn't necessarily have to run away from anything, because my I would uh, my grandparents on both sides are Puerto Rican, and they moved to New York in the fifties, and my daddy was born in Puerto Rico, so but he was a baby when they brought him over, so there are a bunch of New Yorkans in my family. Just you, you throw a rock, you hit a New Yorkan, but um, <laughs> and so I've. I grew up in the States, but I also grew up in a family who had this mindset passed down from generation to generation of like, you have to be the strong one. You are strong. Don't let people think you're weak. You cannot be weak. And that comes from a place of protection. That comes from a place of not knowing where you could end up, not knowing what someone could do to you, not knowing what could happen to you if you were seen as weak. And I don't think a lot of people quite get that if they haven't grown up in that kind of household because they think this person said a mean thing to me, so they must hate me. And I think it's because I went to therapy. I think it's because I just kind of worked it out. But like, <laughs> it's like, hallelujah for therapy. But it's you have to kind of also look at the nuances. Or it's like, are they a bad person or do they do a bad thing? You know? And I think that's kind of the case of Abuela, where it's like, I say it over and over because people like to get it twisted. They like to say, if you have any nuances to something, that you're an apologist to whatever. And I said it multiple times. I was like, Abuela wasn't right. Abuela did bad things. And Abuela said bad things. She's not the villain. Because <laughs> there's yeah. a difference between a villain and an antagonist. And there's a difference between an antagonist and a bad person. And I could look at the nuances of her character and be like, yes, I've been, I've, I've experienced an abuela and you, it's also a personal choice to forgive. No one forced Mirabel to accept abuela into her life. Nobody forced Mirabel to, to be like, you know what? This is fine because you know what? She acknowledged it wasn't fine and they worked to change it. 
that's the biggest thing. People keep saying, oh, if you don't, if you say Abuela isn't the villain, then you are erasing people's trauma. You're just dismissing people's trauma. And I'm like, coming from a person who has experienced trauma myself, that's kind of a very black and white way to think about it. Because acknowledging that someone has nuances to why they act the way they act and acknowledging that someone may not be a bad person just because they did bad things doesn't mean that me, myself, a person behind the screen is, is erasing your trauma and your experience. That's not what that means. It means that not every situation is the same. And it means that not every person is the same and not every person's reaction is the same. And Mirabel choosing to stay with her family and accept them and have them accept her because she didn't stay with them having them not accept her. That's the thing. That's the thing that people miss. She didn't forgive Abuelita and still have Abuelita treating her that way because that would have been dismissing it. That would have been, okay, Abuela still treating her poorly and she's going to accept that she didn't accept it. And that's the biggest thing that people are ignoring. Mirabel did not accept Abuela's treatment of her. She worked to change it. She showed Abuela, this isn't right. This is how you're treating me. And this is why the miracle is dying. And Abuela took it upon herself to be like, oh, it really is my fault. Okay. And reflected on it. And they built the house back up together. And that's why I kind of get a little bit up in arms and people are just like, put Abuela in a home. And I'm like, no, don't put Abuela in a home because Abuela did what a lot of people can't do. Acknowledge that it was a mistake and acknowledge that she was wrong. And she did say sorry. And it was up to the family to forgive her. And they did. So Somebody saying they shouldn't have forgiven her. Why? Because you wouldn't have? That's up to you. That's not what this story was about. And there has to be kind of a separation of like, that may have been your story, but that's not this story. That's not right. Mirabel's story. And that's not the story of someone like Mirabel. It's not, a, sometimes it's not about you. And that's yeah. what some people have to kind of realize where it's just like, yeah, like, here's the thing. It's like, I've, I've been a Bruno. I don't live on the same side of this country as my family. Like, I only talked to about four of them. And guess what? They're the ones who made the effort to talk to me. And that's what people don't get where it's like, I've been a Bruno and I have a Hispanic family. So there's a lot of people and I only talked to like four. So do not sit here and try to school me about how I don't understand you. I do. And it's just, you have to kind of look at it from outside of yourself. And also re remember that it's a Disney movie and Correct. they are going to try to make these difficult topics palatable to children. Why would you end this in a horrible way? If you want misery, go watch HBO, you know? Like, yeah. If you want people yeah. to have horrible consequences and go to jail and die, watch HBO. Don't watch a Disney movie targeted toward children with a message to help children understand a difficult topic and be like, why didn't it end horribly for this one character because that's not what the story was about we have stories like that that's not what this one was about and you just kind of have to look at it that way because if you want somebody having horrible repercussions for the awful things they made go watch tangled mother gothel fell out a window like it's like you know you can watch that but that's not what Encanto was about so my first run of watching Encanto the whole time I thought is Maribel a therapist <laughs> like, is that what her role is? My sister is a therapist. I'm very lucky in the sense that at a moment's notice, I can get some quick therapy that I might need because I could just text my sister and be like, blah, 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 blah. And she'll like, 
work it through with me. And, and so when I was watching Encanto the whole time, I kept thinking, I feel like Maribel's like my sister. She's like the one kind of like trying to figure out what's going on, but why are people this way? But why is this happening? But why that? And not judging, just kind of trying to figure it out. So like Bruno to me, when I saw him, I was like, oh, he's like the family scapegoat. He was saying things and people didn't like it. And he felt that like, oh, they don't like me. So I'm just going to go away. That doesn't make me love you any less. He's over there fixing the house and everything, you know, but he was kind of like the family scapegoat. He brought all of their problems to light or like uncomfortable things to light. And so people didn't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. But Maribel is more like the therapist. So like, no, we have to work through this. Like, mm-hmm. why don't you want to hear this? What's going on? And so the whole time I kept thinking, I feel like Maribel's just like her gift is like being a therapist, kind of getting everybody to heal. You see that within her room and within her costume, because even though we don't see her actually sewing anything, we know that she's a seamstress. Because we, she has a sewing machine in her room. She made Antonio his little uh, stuffed animal. And it was so cute because then he ended up getting an actual real life version of that stuffed animal. So it's kind of like Mirabel in a weird way is kind of like a manifester. Like she can make things and craft things into existence. And you see all over her dress, she has something from everyone in her family right down to her glasses yes. for Bruno. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of Bruno, she's yeah. the only one that wears green. Yeah, she has the green frames for Bruno. She has the flowers on her uh, um, dress for the for Isabella. She has like a, she has an embroidery for every single one of her family members all along her dress, and yeah, it's a it's a it's beautiful. Like if you look at the it, attention it, to detail little... in like the costuming alone is just and amazing. It's because and you see it, and you even in her song, she's like, I can. I can mend what's broken. So she is kind of like that therapist. And she has that mending creation ability. Because you see, I even said it where it's just like she made Antonio his little stuffed animal. And lo and behold, she he gets a big giant live version of that stuffed animal. And so she can create. So damn good. <laughs> it is so good. It's great. And she so she can create. She can make. She can mend. And that is kind of like the the uh the nature of a seamstress where people have patterns and she has patterns and she could put them together and she has all of these things that she can put together and sew together and seam together and that's what she is to her family she is the seamstress she puts them all together and then it's kind of at the end solidified where she's in the middle and the door is centered around her so it's I don't think that her power necessarily is a quite literal one of something mm-hmm. tangible to be able to be seen. And I think it's also indicative of the door disappearing because we see her talking to Casita the way that Abuela talks to Casita. And while Casita can talk to basically anyone, we don't see them interacting with it nearly as much as Mirabel does. She can ask the Casita to do something and it does it. And so she's kind of like the heartbeat of that family. And it is implied that once abuela has passed she will be the matriarch and she will be the glue that keeps them together because that's what matriarchs are for a lot of families that's what abuelas are that's my that's what my abuelita was she was the glue and so at the end of the day mirabel is going to be the glue and that's what she was through the entire the entirety of the movie because she goes around to all these individual characters and figures out what's going on with them figures out what's going on with luisa What's going on with Isabella? What's going on with Dolores being like, what are you hearing? What's going on? And kind of piecing together all those pieces and creating 
the picture. And you even see her like piecing together Bruno's vision. She always pieces things together. So it's such awesome visual storytelling to show that she is literally the maker, the creator, the manifester of things. And it's beautiful. Like Encanto is such a dang good movie. I'm like, even talking about it, I'm like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. And I think like, and it goes back to like your concept of like the healing's not you know, the, the healing will still be ongoing because like when you have like a rip in your shirt and you sew it up, like it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that rip isn't still there. Mm-hmm. It's still there. But then maybe you could like add some embroidery on top of it. Yeah. Maybe you can like m- turn it into something new. And that's, I think, speaks to Mirabelle. And I love that. Yes, we do see that she's that she's a maker. She's a, you know, seamstress. She embroiders that they don't need to tell us that mm-hmm. it's all in the details. And it's you know, paralleled in the actions that she takes. So everything you said, perfection. <laughs> this movie's so good, you guys. It's so good. I'm not over it. I need to watch it again. I just watched it yesterday. So I'm <laughs> to do round three now. I watched it a few days ago and I'm just like, husband goes to work, watches Encanto for the how many time? <laughs> Going on, because, you know, we don't have too much time. I do want to talk about favorite songs. So we don't talk about Bruno. Currently, as of right now, number four on the top 100s, which is huge. Do you have any favorite songs and why or why not? I think Kristen, you should answer this first. I want to know, I want to know what your favorite is. I have a feeling, <laughs> is it bad that I'm already guessing what my Spotify rap is going to be? <laughs> it's going to be like, you listen to the Encanto soundtrack a lot. Um, I feel like I have been re-listening to like we don't talk about Bruno because again, it's just so good. There's so many layers that it's like, well, I I sung along with Camila this time, so uh, for the next round, I'm gonna have to sing along with Isabella. Like waiting on a miracle is just such a beautiful I want song, and it's like that first acknowledgement of you know Mirabel's not fine, and then Dos Oreguitas. Like <sighs> I I kind of can't listen to the English one if only because like my Spanish is terrible so it's a lot harder for me to like understand it um in spanish so it's like i can make it through the spanish one if i understand the words i'm not gonna be able to get through without crying um so i really there's not a bad song on that soundtrack and then even just the the score itself just beautiful and fantastic and i think the way that like lynn's songs and the instrumental play with each other it's pretty seamless so yeah i copped out i'm not really giving an answer (laughs) The whole thing's a bop. Just um, all of it. I, I think other than we don't talk about Bruno, uh, and I'm so glad you pointed out, I sang to Camilo's part this song, so I'm going to sing to Isabella. That's exactly how I listen to the song. I'll listen to it back to back just to sing along to the different characters. I do that with like every musical that has layered parts. It's like, and well, four people sing person- and I'm going to have just listen four times. Every person that sees me on my commute must think that I am a loon, but it's fine. It's okay. It's, I, I accept it. This is just how I am. But other than we don't talk about Bruno, um, one of my favorites is surface pressure for several reasons. And one of the main reasons is that it's finally an alto that's not a villain. And I, like, I've always had a lower voice. I've always had a deeper voice. I was, when I was in chorus in school, I was an alto too. And every girl wanted to be the soprano. Every girl wanted to have like the high, like melodic parts in the songs. And the then there was the alto too. And so it was, 
kind of nice to see a character who had a deeper voice, who had a powerful voice, who was able to sing like multiple different like ranges within the song, but still remain low enough to not like crack a glass. And it was so nice to see like this kind of dichotomy of like masculine and feminine where it's just like the strong one, but she still is like having clouds and glitter and like all these beautiful things and girly things and wearing a dress and not like having to automatically be put in like a mannish thing just because she's the big strong one. She was able to hold on to that femininity and have all the glitter and have the weird donkey fantasy thing. And with just, eyeshadow. With eyeshadow. <laughs> and they were they were serving RuPaul realness. Like like just donkey RuPaul. That's all I want to see in 2022. But it, it was just so nice to see a woman that wasn't just like teeny tiny wayfish, like high voice, traditional Disney and still have femininity. It was just kind of nice to see that represented and have her not diminished into some big burly mannish hulking character because that's what happens a lot. If a woman is like masculinized, she's made into a joke. And so I loved seeing the fact that she wasn't joked about. It wasn't a joke and it was serious. And she was having all these issues and had so much pressure and she was cracking and she was able to cry and have these vulnerable moments and just be like, I'm not doing good y'all. Like I'm straight up not having a good time. I just want glitter. I just want clouds. I want to cry. And I feel that because there are just days where I'm like, I want glitter. I want clouds. I want to cry. <laughs> So it was just a really good, relatable song to have from a character who wasn't just like the traditional gorgeous, tiny little Disney soprano, you know? And then, of course, we don't talk about Bruno living in my head rent free. Um, yeah. I just want to say something about Luisa's, the way she was made. There is like a detail about Luisa that blew my mind. If you look at at like the close-up shots of Luisa, you can see the hair on her arms and her back and her neck. And like, let me tell you how much I loved that. Because as a woman, you're supposed to be like hairless and perfect and nothing. And if you're Hispanic like I am and you have dark hair, that means your mm -hmm. peach fuzz and everything, everywhere, facial hair is dark, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. it's noticeable unless you like, painfully wax or thread or whatever you know there's like you have to basically like have these eurocentric beauty standards right mm -hmm. but louisa was so beautiful anyways yeah. and like and I, oh, sorry and then and even her struggles within that song it's never tied to like her physique mm -hmm. or her femininity it's just like her struggle is like taking on too much and feeling worthless because you know she just doesn't have like the physical strength but it's also like you know this woman has like she trains all the time <laughs> like she trains all the time she always wants to be better that um it was nice that it wasn't you know we didn't get any like pot shots to her like her appearance or anything mm -hmm. like that like yeah. like her, give her a whole movie give her, them all their own movie like the fact that her appearance was never even mentioned like she just was luisa she just was. And I love that so much because especially like as a Hispanic woman, especially as a, as a brown woman, you have this whole thing of people trying to masculinize you and try to like make you feel like you're not pretty enough. You're not girly enough. You're not this. You're not that. You're not everything. And I had that growing up. I had that problem last week. Like it's literally an ongoing issue where people try so hard to strip you 
of your femininity and strip you of the things that you just kind of want to be girly and you just want to be a, like have your nails and your makeup and your glitter and and like sob like you just want to have those moments of like being openly feminine without being questioned and that was so great about Louisa where I'm just like she could just be her and none of her family took a dig at her at all nobody in the town took a dig at her nobody said anything about her appearance how tall she was how bulky she was nothing they just let her be Louisa and I was like yes because like you always have whenever again when I said where I'm like we always have like a, a character who's outside of the quote-unquote norm and what are they they're a punchline and nobody was a punchline here. If anybody was a punchline, it was Camilo, just like having his face all out of whack when he changed into like four different people. But even that, that was a fantastical thing. That wasn't just punching down. That was yeah. just him coughing and turning into like four different villagers at the same time. You literally have two different eyes and like, you know. Right. And you then know. Camilo, it was a moment of stress, right? He couldn't yeah. control what was going on with him. He was freaking out, right? He's like, Camilo, fix your face. <laughs> but yeah, I just, you know, and also while we're on this note really quick, I saw a TikTok and I wish I would have saved it, but it was this girl who had gotten a nose job a few years ago. And she mm -hmm. said, if a movie like Encanto had come out when I was little, maybe I wouldn't have wanted to change my indigenous nose. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, yeah, like, like, wow. And so I just love the way these characters are drawn. I just, I just love it. But as far as music, the first time that I watched it, I sobbed to Luisa's, you know, surface pressure. And not because it like I related to it, but because I saw my mom constantly just like trying to like have the weight of the world on her shoulders literally the world on her shoulders I was like sobbing because I was just thinking of my mother just like trying to help everything everybody trying to be strong for everybody even though like you're gonna crack eventually there's no way you can like save everyone help everyone do everything and be everything to everyone and so I was sobbing through that one but I think that my favorite song is We Don't Talk About Bruno, mm -hmm. mainly because of all the people that are in it and all the parts and everybody that's singing it. It's so fun. And like you guys said, like you can watch it every time and just follow one character. And it's just, oh, it's so much fun. And I am like, I cannot wait for the live action version of that because I need yeah. that, whether it's a musical or a live action movie or whatever. I just need to see that played out because I think it's beautiful. Those are with us. I hate it because I cry and I, I, just hate it. I cannot listen to that song. I listen to one and every time I have rewatched Encanto, I skip that part because I can't like, I don't know what it is. It was just too, it hit too hard for me. Maybe mm -hmm. now I've seen the movie so many times, but I keep skipping that part. Cause I think mm -hmm. I'm just like a little traumatized by it. Cause even though I think Disney did a very beautiful job of telling a very scary and like traumatic thing, like showing it on screen so that kids can understand it. If you and your family have lived through something like that, it's hard to even watch the Disney sugar-coated version of that. So those Origuitas, like, it's beautiful, but I hate it. Cause like, I just, I don't know. No, I can't, like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And so I think that that is just the power of Lin-Manuel Miranda's writing is that he is just like, he can just hit emotions everywhere. 
I know, I know we've said it, the whole soundtrack is a bop, but I really loved We Don't Talk About Bruno, mainly because I'm a sucker for an ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. And that song just hits, everybody's in it. Everybody's in it. And I love that. And just to kind of springboard off of Dos Origitas, um, several parts of that song, uh, same thing, where it's like it came up on my playlist and I'm just like, I, I'm not prepared to cry right now. I just had a I'm just like, I'm, right I'm not really prepared for this right now. Because like that whole scene, especially the one that hits the hardest, it's like in, etched into my brain is just her after everything's happened, after she's in her new house and no one else is around her and she's on the floor holding all of her babies. And she's just like looking down at them and her eye, like her, she's just glazed over. And that scene is kind of the scene where I'm just like, if you look at that and you can't think, I don't want to get misty yet. I did my makeup for this so that this wouldn't happen. And I'm like, if you can't look at that woman, that young woman sitting by herself on the floor after the worst thing in her life has happened to her, holding these three innocent babies who didn't even know what happened and nobody else is around her. Nobody's around the house. Nobody's in the house. Nobody's cooking for her, cleaning for her, doing anything. She's on the floor by herself. And her eyes are glazed over. And if you can't look at that and go, this woman also deserves happiness, then bestie, we should go to therapy together. (laughs) I'm just like, I'm just like, because I I know like it was like Abuela frustrated me to no end throughout the whole movie. And I was frustrated as well. I had my moments as well. And then I saw that and I was just like, this is what that movie's about. And Mm -hmm. it kind of just hit like, I was literally on my floor. It was Christmas. I w- it was Christmas Eve. I was on my floor on Christmas Eve. And I was like sick with the with the Rona. And I'm just like, Ugh! and like everything was like down my face. And it was disgusting. And nobody should have seen me like that. And I just kind of had that moment. And it, the song itself where it's just like these caterpillars have to turn into butterflies. And they have to change. And they have to separate to come back together again. And that's what this whole movie is about. It's about change. It's about transition. It's about like letting go of the past and moving into the future and doing things better the next time. And overall, that's what this movie is about. And the people who just like, went over their head and they're like, put up with that in a home. I'm like, you missed the whole point. I'm so sorry. I know everybody has. I know yeah. everyone has their opinions, but you're entitled to your wrong opinion, homie. Like that's this is the one time where I'm just like, I'm just. We, we saw two different movies. I was just apparently. saying, we didn't see yeah. the same movie, homie. You got to watch it again. So, like, and I get that art is subjective, right? Yeah. So, like, people see what they want to see. And I think, you know, talking back, you know, on Luisa, for example, there's mm-hmm. a lot. And even, uh, you know, with Isabella, there's a lot of people, you know, saying, like, oh, she represents, like, trans or she represents, and Is- Isabella re- represents, you know, you know, uh, LGBTQ community and i get like i didn't see it that way but i get why people felt that way but also i think it speaks to the fact that we're all looking for representation right we're all looking for like to see ourselves in a disney film somehow in some way and i think that this that this film did such a good job of being able to like portray so many different people and i think Mm -hmm. that it also speaks to that there's still so many people who don't have their representation and hopefully them voicing these opinions will like, oh, well, I think it's this, I think it's that, might spark something at Disney where maybe they will get a film like that. That's, you know, 
specifically Concrete. for them or for anybody. Yeah. But yeah, I just think that maybe, you know, this is like a really good step in that direction to get more representation, you know, in in all kinds of ways, you know, and, and I think that the way people react to it just shows how desperately we want to see ourselves and stories like this. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well said. And I fully agree. Like I, I'm a queer Latina. I'm a bisexual Latina. So like, I understand where they could find the parallels. Um, but at the end of the day, I just, I, I also, I watch a lot of things and I'm a big, massive nerd and I love tropes and I love like breaking down why stories are the way they are, why characters are the way they are. And again, it's kind of a separation of yourself and your story versus somebody else and somebody else's story. So watching this, I'm like, I knew this was about family. I knew this was about generational trauma. I knew that while you can have these headcanons, while you can see yourself sometimes, sometimes at its core, the story isn't about that. And like, even like for me, I'm just like, yeah, no, I can totally see why you would think Isabella is a lesbian. That's perfectly cool. And I could totally, and, and there's just a lot of nuances as to why sometimes it's not like that either. And that's one thing where like some people, especially like when they see someone, they think that you think one certain way because of how you look or because of how you are or because of like something that they went through with someone like you so that you, they must all be like this. And I've had a lot of people make assumptions about me. I put myself on the internet and people are open to interpretation. But at the very end of the day, it's like my page says nerd content and I'm a nerd. And at my core, I have all of these qualities, but at the same time, I can look at other things that are not when, when they don't have to do with me either, you know? Right. And with that being said, I would also love to see a queer Latina woman of color on screen one day too. And I hope that's coming soon because it's nice to see yourself. Like even Stephanie, Stephanie Beatriz, she's bisexual. Her character in Brooklyn Nine-Nine is bisexual. And that is a queer Latina right there. And she's the main character in a Disney movie. She vo- And that's another thing too. Speaking of Mirabel's, um, uh, her dress, it's the bisexual fly colors for Stephanie Beatriz. So it's really sweet that they also incorporated parts of the people who made those characters come to life. And it's just also just indicative that we are in a step in the right direction. And is it going to be perfect? No. And is again, I had to wait till my late, my, my mid twenties to see someone who looked like me and someone who was like me in a Disney movie, but that doesn't mean it's never going to happen. And it doesn't mean that it's just completely like, that's it. That's good. We still have a lot of work to do. And one day we are going to be able to see everyone portrayed. And I hope it's sometime soon because it would be awesome. Because again, like you said, if that one woman had seen Encanto before she got a nose job, she wouldn't have gotten it. And it's so important to see yourself. It's so important to see portrayals of people who look like you, who are like you, who are like your family, like Pepa and Felix. They look like my parents. Like my dad is a dark skin Puerto Rican. My mom is a light Puerto Rican. Like they just... It, it matters. It matters to be able to see yourself. And I think when people have seen themselves all throughout their lives, they're not going to understand that. And when people have like always grown up with someone who looks like them, have always grown up with the story they relate to, they're not going to understand why it impacts people so badly when they finally get it. Because when you've always gotten something, you can't miss it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So guys, before we wrap up, was there anything else you wanted to point out about the film that maybe we didn't discuss? 
I'm worried if I say anything, I'll just be talking for another two hours. We could literally do an episode <laughs> per character, per everything. Like, there's so much to discuss. Yeah. It's like, it's one of those, this this story and this movie was complete on its own. If, I, I hope they consider, not necessarily a sequel, but like, living with these characters again, I do want to see them in a different capacity in some way, shape, or form. Again, there's, this is like, the biggest movie with an on like an ensemble, so to speak. Like, I don't think we've really had like this many characters who may not have been like the headliners, right? But they all had a journey. So, like Louisa, supporting character, and Isabella were supporting technically, but like they had their own journeys. So, I would just love. I don't want this to be the last time that we see the Madrigals. I want Maybe like a this Disney to live Plus on. series. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. Or like. A, a, a day with Tio Bruno. Just give me that. Like everybody's like hanging out with Tio Bruno one day. I don't know. That's all. Just give me more. I mean, also I don't want like spin-off shows. Maybe just like little specials here and there. Give me a little something. Like a little Disney, like a little special, like how each of the the couples met. That'd be so cute. Like just kind of like seeing a little peek into their lives would be amazing. Like again, like you said, like Olaf had like. 11 <laughs> like just little um i'm pretty sure it wasn't 11 but it felt like 11 um just little mini shorts that started before movies or like we're on disney plus so i'm just like, you know what it'd be nice to just have like a couple little like 20 minute long cute short snippets yeah i'd be happy with that all right guys well where can people find you on social media Um, so I'm on TikTok. Um, I'm Manages Vibin on TikTok, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Um, I do want to post on YouTube more. I'm just a Manicastrolo there, but I haven't posted in a hot second. Um, but yeah, if you ever want to just find me, type in a Manages Vibin, I'll pop up somewhere. <laughs> and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Kriavez, which is K-R-I-A-V-E-Z. All right. This is going to wrap up this episode of the Temple of Geek podcast. We want to thank everyone who tuned in today, and especially our guests, Amanda and Kristen. Thank you so much for being here with us today. If you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Facebook or Twitter by using the handle at Temple of Geek. If you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows, why don't you head on over to templeofgeek.com. There you will find all sorts of content that pertains to the world of geek. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Temple of Geek. And remember to visit TempleofGeek.com, your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.